Welcome to the Geek Exploration, the podcast creator corner. I'm John Williams. And I'm Ben Robinson, and we are joined today by Lori Calcaterra, who is the writer for uh, Path of the Pale Writer, a new comic book series coming out. Hello, everybody. Yes, I am the writer-creator of Path of the Pale Writer. Yeah, live on Kickstarter, uh, I mean, as of the time of recording, just barely now, and you're already a quarter of the way. You're making uh, making good headway so far. Thank you. Yeah, we're about 29% funded, and... Hoping to get there sooner than later so I can start sleeping at night. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I think we can tell you from experience it'll it'll be a uh, it'll be a rough month. Is this your first time running a Kickstarter? Yeah, it is. I mean, like everybody has been telling me, like there's a rush in the beginning. There's kind of lull through the middle, and then there'll be a rush at the end. So I I know what to expect. However, you know, going through it your first time, you're checking in every five minutes. Like any anybody doing stuff. Anybody on there? Maybe I need to send a few more uh, links out. <laughs> yeah, it's it's probably similar to going bungee jumping. Like people can tell you what to expect, but you're still going to be uh, affected <laughs> by it. Correct. And I'm still affected, but that's okay. I'm confident we're going to be there, um, especially as I do more interviews and people hear more about the story behind Path of the Pale Rider, and then all the other interactive and cool things that we have built into the project that uh, it'll draw people in for sure. Yeah, there's a lot going there. Um, So before we jump right into the uh, project, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, Where do you come from? What are your influences? Have you done other comic book projects before? All right, here I go. So I, I am originally from Detroit, Michigan. Moved around a couple times, been in, lived in California, went back to Michigan, and now we're in um, like Dallas, Texas area, and uh, we really like it down here. I enjoy, comparatively, you know, in Michigan, it's still cold. And yeah. They don't, you know, really start having spring until the end of May. We're already in the swimming pool down here, so I'm rather enjoying it. Um, Texas is great. It's been good to us so far. So I started martial arts in 1997. So I've been doing Filipino and uh, Indonesian martial arts for 25 years. And about 2017, I started choreographing fight scenes for music videos and um, production. Oh, no and, shit. Yeah, I was. we had a fight team. Like We did a demo reel called Catfishing, which you can watch on YouTube if you're so inclined to find it. It's about seven minutes of just badass You know, I do like a wall run in a stairwell. We do some knife fighting. I run someone over with a car. Like there's, there's, it's crazy. We do lots of stuff. Which martial art involves running people over with cars? (laughs) That was just a bonus. (laughs) (laughs) Karjitsu. And that, by the way, is my favorite part because, uh, you know, after about six days of filming, and my partner and I was beating the bloody hell out of each other for, you know, for forever. As a stunt team, you get comfortable with each other. And like, there's a few kicks that I actually connected on my poor partner. And they're in the film because they looked so good because yeah. they were real. They look so real. They look so real just because I really <laughs> kicked him in the face. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I really enjoyed hitting him with the car. That was one of my favorite parts. Now, real quick, what was the name of that? I, I want to take the note myself and I don't want to I don't want to forget and, and uh, get it from Ben later. It's called catfishing. You have to catfishing. spell it catfish and put a hyphen ing. There okay. we go. Um, Coattail Collective, but you can find it on my YouTube channel if you go look. I don't have much on there, but that's on there because I'm proud of it. We won a bunch of like uh, awards for short films and stuff at the time just because it was so different. So we did that. Uh, I then got picked up by the production company. So I went from being a client to being an employee. Uh, After I paid for it, you know, like I helped produce that short film and they wanted me to write content. So at this point I was writing um, like a web series and it was more of a a spy and drama and like um, espionage. And like if you took 24, but then added in Bruce Lee martial arts, you know what I mean? So there's there's just a lot going on. So I was writing, you know, web content. So like um, I wrote two seasons of that. We filmed the pilot. But right around the time we were getting ready to do reshoots is when we moved to Texas. So that project kind of got canned at that time. Um, it's still a great story. And in fact, I would love to turn it into a comic book series because it has potential. It's already written as episodes. So as long as we can transform the action 
Um, there's lots of potential there. So that was really my first experience with writing. Um, and then I had the idea, right? The spark. What would happen if the death process got broken and dead no longer died? Um, so I wrote that. But when I wrote the script for Path of the Pale Rider, I wrote it as a full-length movie because I was in production, right? Yeah. So I wrote this giant script and I was just like, this, this is a crazy idea and we could never produce this. We don't have that kind of money. <laughs> yeah, it tur turns out movies are a lot more expensive than comic books. Way more expensive, <laughs> way more expensive. So, but in the level at which I wrote this thing, I was like, ah, there's no way we could do it. So I sat on it for like a whole year. I wasn't sure what to do with it. Um, people from production were reading it and telling me to pitch it to Netflix, which if you don't know anything about pitching to Netflix, it's pretty hard. Um, you can watch video upon video about all the different things that you have to do in order to pitch to Netflix. So it didn't really go anywhere till I let my husband read it. And he was like, this is a comic book. And I was like, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> <laughs> because we read so many comic books. We're big on image. Like we've read Walking Dead, like anything Kirkman. Okay. So uh, Walking Dead, uh, Invincible, uh, Oblivion Song. What's his other one? Outcast. We're big fans of all those like Saga, uh, like Nailbiter. Is it Die, Die, Die or Kill, Kill, Kill? I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, that one's out. Yep. You yeah, like that the one. Shocker. Yeah. Nailbiter. Have you guys read Nailbiter? That one's fabulous. I've not. I only ever read the first issue of it. And, and I don't know why. I mean, I, I, I don't remember hating it, but I just didn't get back to it. Uh, if you like horror type comics, this one's great. It's about a town where it produces more serial killers than anywhere, anywhere else in the nation. And they're trying to figure out why. Like, is it something in the water? What's happening to this population where they all turn into ser serial killers. And they're, all, you know, like they have this serial killer hall of fame. Like you can go in there and it tells you about all the different ones. It's really, if you like that genre or like true crime, this is, this is a great one. East of West is a big influence comic book wise, again, about the apocalypse, like anything that's apocalypse driven. I'm there. I really <laughs> enjoy those. You're just, you're just waiting for the world to end. It'll be your time to shine. Uh, you know, it's something about the challenges that people are presented with at the end. You know what I mean? Where it's like your options are limited and you have to make some real serious decisions about how you, how you continue. You yeah, know, that's absolutely. what is so interesting to me. And like a character and their decisions that they make in these types of worlds is very telling, you know? Yeah, what values they decide to hang on to and, and what uh, stuff they're willing to do that, you know, maybe they wouldn't have been willing to yeah. do otherwise. Well, yeah, like that, that, that book and movie The Road pops into mind there. Just going to say that one. Yeah. Like, literally that one. It's like uh, so gritty and washed out and like having to make decisions and not only just for yourself, but if you have a child with you, yeah. it changes everything, you know? So those are big influences. Movies, I think like Mad Max. Uh, I am legend, um, anything zombie related. A lot of the new zombie movies from coming out of South Korea are fabulous. Oh, they're great. I mean, like train to Busan is just wonderful. I could go on about horror tropes forever, but, uh, zombies <laughs> were a big one. Yeah. I just did an interview with, uh, Crimson Owl comics and they're, they're strictly like horror comics. And I was like, Shitty? And he was just like, <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> it's your people. Right. I was like, I found my people, comic book people plus horror. I'm like, I'm there. So yeah, like I like I like a lot of anime, sci-fi, steampunk, and apocalypse themes. Westerns have like a weird place in my heart. They really do. Like old spaghetti westerns with Clint Eastwood. Oh yeah. Good, bad, the ugly. Uh, there is a there's a Clint Eastwood movie called The Pale Rider. There is. Yeah that that was that was going to be my question about the title because uh, you know we we have of course the 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 biblical you know one of the, the death the horseman of the of the apocalypse. So when you were talking about the apocalypse, I was like, okay, there we go. And then we're like, but it is also a western, so I wonder if it's homage to uh, to the Eastwood movie. It it is a little bit of both. That's exactly on the nose. Like everything that I write has a double meaning. Almost. And it's like, if you look at the names of what I've named people, they're for a reason. Uh, like Jude's name is on purpose. And then when you read further, you'll get more names and you'll understand. I think if you understand the name behind it, you'll understand a little more about the character. But absolutely, the path of the Pale Rider is about 
the fourth horseman of the apocalypse, right, is death, who rides a pale horse, and death is missing. Maybe not figuratively, or was that the other way? Maybe not literally, <laughs> figuratively. It's like the death process has been broken, right? Yeah. So in this world, your body dies, but your soul is stuck in the body. So you get to witness your own decay. Your brain is still decaying. So you get to question yourself. You start to become forgetful, violent, indifferent, and it hits everybody differently based off of either age or genetics or like how you died. But in the beginning, things are very drastic. Like one day it was fine. And then the next day, the death process is broken. So it's almost like, what do you do with these people? They're, they die, they go to the hospital, but they're animated. So they just go home. So, yeah. So you like, know? so once you die, you like, you're kind of just like, okay, well, I, I guess yes. I'm just dead now. Like you're, you're perfectly fine until your faculties degrade. Like you're kind yeah, of who you, you were before. Decaying. Oh, that's like science tells me I'm dead, but I'm still moving. So here we go. Right. Do I go to work? I don't know. Yeah, right? Like I'm still around. You know what I mean? <laughs> Do I still need to pay my bills? That's the big question. Are my creditors going to relieve my <laughs> <Right>? debt? <laughs> I mean, at that point, do you need to eat? So like, I mean, if no, you don't you need don't, money, yeah. then yeah, see you later, work. If you're going to live in true. your house. That is true. I don't think I'd want to be dead and homeless. But here's the thing. As things start to progress and the population for the undead starts to grow, they also are decaying. They become more chaotic and unpredictable. And it's apparent that these people are a risk, right? Yeah, for sure. You'll see what I mean when you read the story. Violent things happen. <laughs> and at this point, now the living population starts making decisions. Do we want to live with them anymore? You know, are we going to take away these rights that you previously lost when you died? So obviously, you know, in our world, when you die, it's like you can't own property, you can't vote, you can't carry firearms, you can't drive a car. In this world, you're still around. And you would probably be upset if we went ahead and just took all those rights away. Yeah, like I still have an opinion on things. Right, you still have an opinion on things. So, I mean, there's a lot of unrest. Wow. Riots. We're dealing with famine situation because this death process is broken for everything, including animals and insects. So now it's like, I, I eat meat. Do you guys eat meat? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you, you could... You could slaughter a cow but how do you butcher it if it's still moving so like if you cut it into pieces are all the pieces still alive or is there like uh yes oh man oh so it's like like <laughs> return of the living dead part one style huh so your hamburger would still move when you tried to eat it cool and then while you're digesting it oh no gross yeah <laughs> so again now we have a meat problem right and we still have an insect problem because pesticides are not going to work. So, and if animal, like you and me, we probably would understand that we're undead and we don't need to eat anymore. But would an insect understand that? Yeah. Probably not. So they're going to continue to eat. So now we have swarms of bugs that are eating our crops and we can't stop them. Or we have to think of different ways. To stop them. Yeah. You gotta like catch you know them. I mean? Shoot them to the moon or something? I don't know. Like, what do you, what do, you do with them? <laughs> I mean, you could, you could light them on fire, but then you potentially have the problem that they're still animated while they're on fire and they burn your crops instead of yeah. dying. Yeah. You yeah. Know, do, do, do you have like ash. sentient carbon atoms floating around now? Like, what's going Like, yeah. how, how far does this go? <laughs> like, it's, it's that far. Like, there is no release, there is no transition, there's no escape. And that's what I find really horrifying about this world is that in most apocalypses, you're doing your best to try and survive. But when you die, there's still a way out. In this one, there's no way out. There's yeah. no way out. Yeah. If you, if you rot far enough, you're just going to be lying there, like staring at the sky, watching plants grow over your face and being like, this sucks. That, that could be an option. Like something could eat you and you'd have to live in their stomach, uh, you know, or you could decompose all the way into a pile of bones and you'll still be in those pile of bones. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's horrifying to me to, to have to witness your own decomposition. Yeah. Or, or a loved one. So in, in this world, is it 
Like, I, I don't want to take it to a level that you don't want to take it to, but, but is it, is it as if your soul in, in whatever form it is still exists? So it's not linked, you know, to your brain, like your brain can rot away, your heart can rot away, but you are still trapped there with your body. Yes. Interesting. For all intents and purposes, like the rotting process, like that's still, it's not like zombies where like they can magically still, they still have energy to move around. Basically like yeah. the stuff that normally happens, happens, but uh, your, your, your consciousness is still there it it does affect the human body um but again i i when i built the world i looked at it as okay here's the problem how would people deal with this would they just accept it or would they work on a solution to the problem i think they'd freak the fuck out that's what they would do (laughs) yeah they'd have a hard time absolutely (laughs) and we see that I'm going to show that. Absolutely. But my point is, Good. is like, if, if you're, if you're recently undead and you want to pass as human, I think undead would try to tackle that problem or living sympathizers would try to tackle that problem either chemically or it's kind of like, think of that movie, uh, death becomes her yeah. where like they use like spray paint to mm-hmm. camouflage their decay because they're undead. Right. <laughs> but uh, so that's kind of how I see it. Or like, what chemicals can you use to mimic formaldehyde to delay your decay process a little longer? Maybe you can pass as living a little longer. You go on a Tinder date and uh, you're really upset because they didn't <laughs> tell you they were dead. That's really rude. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a different level of catfishing. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh boy, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, can you sue a dead person? I mean, you could probably screw them. Can they screw you? Probably not. Oh, no. I said Sue. But yeah. Oh, I went the other way. (laughs) (laughs) But either either one is a good question to ask. (laughs) Doubt you could get one pregnant. Murders would be a lot easier to solve. Yeah, he did it. So who killed you? (laughs) That guy? All right. Thank you. (laughs) See what else? There's technology that we built for this world based off of the problem. So... Uh, when you look at the Kickstarter pages, my cowboy is wearing something on his chest. We call that a disc. Um, it's an uh, auditory and visual indicator of a heartbeat. So if you tap it, the circle in the middle will um, beat green with your heart. And it has a speaker so you can hear the heartbeat. Um, they're yeah. government issued. Um, so that way, any kind of police force can tap it. You know, They don't need to ask permission. One of those things like, I want to know if you're living or not, right? And then if you're recently on bed and you're wearing one, it'll turn red and it will flat. It has the flat line alert. You know what I mean? And then we know that you're you're dead. However, it's government issued technology. So what do we do with that? We hack it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Looks like it appears modern day because like from uh, like I read the, the you know, the eight page, the, yeah. the, the first eight pages and seen the stuff on the Kickstarter. So it appears like there are street signs. So clearly it's modern day, you know, he's a cowboy and he's got a horse, but it is, that's yeah. just happens to be his, who he is. Cause it's, it's like a contemporary setting, right? Yes. So now that we're talking about the story, so that's the world that we built. So now where we are in episode one, we're following Jude St. Clair, this, this cowboy and his horse in the apocalypse. They're 10 years into the apocalypse. Things have basically devolved into the wild west. Um, things are falling apart for a long time. So if you look at that road, it's dilapidated, you know what I mean? Things -hmm. are falling down. Um, it's not a safe place to be. The world itself is so dangerous, but he understands the world because he's been living in it for 10 years. So, um, that little context clue where it's like sound is important. He puts shoes on the horse's hooves when they go down this road. So that way they can be extra quiet. Because they don't want to alert anything that's undead to their presence. Of course, he makes the stupid decision to pick up that glass. And his decision culminates in waking up that bear. For those of you who haven't read spoilers. it. Go, go ahead. No, no, no. I was, <laughs> I was calling spoilers out for the, for the bear waking up. I mean, like, it's in the, it's in the Kickstarter eight-page preview. Yeah. So anybody, you know, like, as soon as you go to our Kickstarter and you look at these pages, you'll see what I'm talking about. Jude and Prince, his horse, they're going down this uh, cliffside road. They're looking for something or someone. He stops to wrench this glass out of a zombie hand that's sticking out, smashed from a boulder. Probably was a stupid decision. He even calls himself out on it after he, he stops it from you know falling off the cliff. He's like, what am I doing? It was so dumb. And kind of wakes him up when there's this crow like, you know, on a rock. And 
uh, he, you know, just shoves it in his saddlebag and they keep going. And like all these crows are going around this corner and he goes around and then there's this giant bear that's all across the entire road. So there's not really a way around it. It's either go over it or go back. So they decide to go over it and they make it over, which is scary. And then uh, Prince trips and out comes the glass and it shatters. And then you have this beautiful splash page by my illustrator, Marco DeFillo, of the bear who is called Big James standing up behind Jude and just Jude's look of panic and oh shit. Zombie bear. Mm-hmm. So that eight page preview is about two thirds of the way into the comic. So we have about 16 pages before that. And then we'll have about six to eight pages after that. Oh, okay, cool. So that wasn't the beginning. It's not the beginning. So there's some more setup that goes before that. That's cool. Yeah. You'll understand a little more about what Jude is looking for. And we kind of set up what happens to him before he's on that road. It might make more sense of why he decided to get that glass. And then uh, we'll resolve the bear situation, but you won't like it. <laughs> wait, why? Wait, uh, oh, no. If I'm not going to like it, do I, do I need to fear for Jude? Be like, oh, the bear, the bear kills the main <laughs> character and his horse. <laughs> you thought he was the main character. In the land of the undead. So he could potentially be undead through the rest of the comic. He actually could. Oh, yeah, that's Whoa. true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, having said that, I would like that. That, that would be interesting. So. Um, you know, speaking of your artist, uh, Marco DeFillo, where'd you, uh, where'd you find this guy? I, I, I dig his artwork. Oh, and also is the, is the book going to be, uh, black and white or full color? Uh, well, it has the potential to be color if we hit a stretch goal. Oh, perfect. You know, it's different when you run a Kickstarter as the writer versus the artist, because usually the person running the Kickstarter is not paying themselves. <laughs> yeah, tell right? us about it. <laughs> we want to be successful. Yeah, everybody knows what I'm talking about. If you run a Kickstarter, because <laughs> if you look at the stuff that I've done for the Kickstarter, I'm the writer, plus I'm producing short films, plus I'm producing extra content, that stuff's all free. I'm paying my artist yep. is what I'm doing, and I'm paying for shipping and print charges and merchandise. Um, artists are expensive when they're good. Um, Marco and I met on a Facebook group called Connecting Comic Book Writers to Artists. I'm in that group. Are you in that group? Yep. See you in person. Hello. <laughs> I just put, I put something in there today, right? I was just like, kudos to this group. You know, Marco and I found each other here. We're live. Come check us out. Um, yeah, so I had posted something it was a while ago. And then he had posting something. He had posted something on his own, and I actually reached out to him. Um, but you've seen his work; it's fabulous. Yeah, he's, he's good. The most yeah. professional artist I have worked with. I have worked with multiple. Um, very eager to sign a contract, you know, and get started. He's worth every penny. So, I mean, you can see his work in black and white. It's fabulous. He's also a great colorist. When we start picking up, we're probably looking for another colorist to come on the team so that way we can go a little quicker. Yeah. But that's it. I mean, like, we don't really need a colorist because Marco's good, but we would like one just to help with the process. So it's black and white right now just so that we can hit our goal um, and get yeah. the comic book created. And then we can always go back and have it colored later, too, as a special edition or limited run. We had run into a similar problem, you know, that we're like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a colorist. Like if, if I could color, I'd have done it. But same thing with, uh, when we ran a campaign, like it's just to get it colored and printed. Cause you gotta, you gotta pay the artists, you know, gotta do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like without Marco, you couldn't see what's in my head. I can draw, but not comics. Not comics. <laughs> like, uh, it's so particular. And it's like, there's so many different skills that you have to have outside of just being able to draw it's like you have to know anatomy you have to know scenery yeah yeah you got to know that to draw but what about um storytelling storytelling like paneling and per mm -hmm. um and camera angle and action and pacing uh where do you where do you turn your page like you know what i mean like there's so many things mm -hmm. to think about besides like i need to draw a horse yeah like we it, i can't do it i can't <laughs> i can't draw a horse Jeez. I can't draw a horse neither. So ben, Ben's always trying to get or for years. Ben was trying to get me to draw a horse. Every time I asked like, what should I draw? But you ever like see that. that meme where it's like really nice drawn on the left side and the further it goes to the right, it eventually becomes like a stick figure. Yeah. 
It's like how it started, how it is now. <laughs> yeah. That'd be me drawing a horse. So so if you guys stick with black and white, is he going to do gray tones or is it going to be like manga style? Where it's It'll be just like manga art? style, um, just line art, because the intention is to go back and color it. Well, yeah, that's that's definitely the way to go. Yeah. You know, the way that I kind of saw it in my head is black and white with splashes of red. So like anything that oh, yeah. was like really important would be in red, but it wouldn't be every page until I found out that in order to print it that way, it would still be in full color and yep. you have to pay the full color price. And I was like, nix that. I'm not doing it. You know? Yeah. Maybe if I had unlimited funds someday, we can do that or, or we should just do full color. It's going to be gorgeous in full color. Yeah, no, it, it definitely makes a difference. Like when we ran our first one and uh, it was like, yeah, maybe we'll put it out in black and white. And then we started getting color pages in. And it was like, oh man, this is so much better. This is Yeah, so yeah. Well, I, I want to see it both ways. I, You know, being a big Walking Dead fan and, and reading yeah. that whole like zombie apocalypse in black and white, um, it's like my brain filled in the blanks. So it's like you still get to use part of your own imagination to fill in the gore. But then when they give it to you in color, you're like, oh, this is great, too. So it's like, I like seeing it <laughs> both ways. Yeah. I'm a collector. Yeah, I mean, I have all the issues in color and black and well, white. Yeah. The, yeah. The, I was just going to bring up like like uh, graphic novels like like The Killing Joke or uh, Batman Mad Love. Like both of those I have multiple versions of because I love the full color versions. I love re- recolored versions. I love black and white versions. Like. If it's a gorgeous book, I want it in every way possible. Yes, I, and I'm there with you. It's like we have multiple things in variant covers, and they're all in a big shelf in my husband's study where we have all the books. And um, I wish I could show it to you, but uh, no, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. I'm, I'm in my daughter's room. <laughs> right. And, uh, I was like, I got Walking Dead and uh, East of West and I think Ghost in the Shell and Saga behind me and Lazarus. My favorites. <laughs> yeah, I never read that one. That was uh, what? That was Greg Rucka and um, who was the artist on that? Was it was it Perkins? Uh, it's Rucka Larkin Arcus. Oh, Michael Lark. Oh, okay. As a female martial artist, <laughs> I was like, I want to be her. <laughs> <laughs> but again, this is like this is another version of an apocalypse. You know, it's like the world had some issue and now there's these uh feudal like the world was broken up into families that now run big sectors of the world uh not even just countries it's like they have this big map where it's like broken up by family and each family has uh, a lazarus which is what forever is they call her eve and she she lives forever she's their warrior I don't know what you call her. She's not a princess, but she's a warrior. <laughs> it just sounds good together. When you say warrior, you want to say princess afterwards. I know. I'm like, it's not Venus. <laughs> we're of that generation. <laughs> or at least Ben and I are. You should read it. Put that on the list, too. <laughs> I know. I have this giant list. Need to read. Yeah, it, it never, yep, it never yep. seems to get shorter. Like, you, you cross stuff no, off, but there's always hilarious. more stuff getting added. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you mentioned earlier that um, there's going to be some short films that, that like you, oh, you did yeah. some films in the past and that and that for this project, you're doing some like uh, accompanying films. Is that what I understand? They go with each book. Yeah. So, OK, so the world is so big. Um, I had all these ideas for things that happen like either during the fall before, you know, like after, um, you know, like government breakdown or riots and blah, 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 all this stuff. But if it's not part of Jude's past, you don't get to see it, you know what I mean, in the comic. So I decided we could explore some of this additional content using two vehicles. So the first one is the short films. Now, being from production, um, I love seeing things visually. And so we created a commercial for, like, if you're on the Kickstarter, you scroll to the bottom, there's a video that you can watch. And it's a commercial for an undead retirement community called Pine Fox. Not Pine Box. That's what they bury you in in the old west. <laughs> Pine Box. So it's like you get to see this commercial that looks like, you know, it's like picket fences and a pool. And it's like it, it's happy and it's like, come join us. We're waiting for you. You know, you can live out your undead years and not be a threat to anybody. Some static starts and then it's like interspliced with the commercial are these videos of riots. Um, uh, protesters, shooting, yeah. things on fire. So it's like 
you get the image of what we want you to think this world is, and then you get the image of what this world actually is. And they fight, you know what I mean? They fight for time on the screen. So it's a good juxtaposition, and it's like it kind of just represents how the world really is. That's pretty cool, because the, the world in general, is, it, it's a really neat concept for a zombie apocalypse that isn't, you know, brains, kind of uh, right. people attacking zombies. And so it, it's cool to have a vehicle where you can explore that a little deeper, but it's not necessarily part of Jude's story. Exactly. And that's exactly what we're trying to do. And then for episode two and moving forward, um, I want to start making these interactive. So what I mean by interactive is that um, we'll pick a topic and everybody can send me 30 second film clips of that topic. And I will edit all the video together and make a cohesive short film. So then when we do the Kickstarter for episode two, you have a video to watch and you can watch yourself be a part of the world. That's cool. That, that yeah, it's a good idea. It's ambitious too. So, trying to, uh, I mean, I guess it's all in the same theme. So, but like, you, yeah, you can get handed a whole bunch of stuff and then trying to thread it into a narrative. I guess you could always film little things to tie stuff together too. But, right, uh, and and it just depends on the topic. Like the topic for episode two, I've already started sharing with people so they can think about it. It's going to be conspiracy theories. Uh, um, so obviously, in this world, there's going to be a, a crap ton of theories about what happened to break the death process. So like a news report where, you know, a reporter is interviewing all these different people, what they think. Do you remember? Okay. Do you remember watching Boondock Saints at the very end of the movie, how they were interviewing people and they were either for Boondock Saints or against them, or they would just say no comment, stuff, stuff like that. That's what I'm kind of looking for is all this different footage of different people. And then I can put it all together. But it's like, it could be anything. It could be aliens. It could be chemical. It could be a government conspiracy. It could be a virus. I mean, those are the pretty typical tropes. I'm looking for someone to go further than that. It's like, is it sentient yogurt? You know what I mean? From love to death and robots. (laughs) It could be so many different things. Pick something and send it to me and I'm going to put it in the video. We'll go forward together as that. And that'll be a fun, a fun thing to participate in. Now, are there any any uh, words of advice that you could give to people b- besides making it creative and fun? But like, are there things you want to avoid, like politics or religion or anything like that? Or is it just do whatever you want and, and be creative? Do whatever you want and be creative. Um, my comic is chock full of uh, ethics questions, politics, <laughs> um, opinions. Um, I don't give an answer about what is right and wrong. I don't. It's up to the Lies. reader to make up their own mind about how they would react. And I mean, like, who am I to say if I was actually in the apocalypse and I had children, my decision might be different than anybody else's. You know what I mean? If mm-hmm. my neighbors are alive, it doesn't matter to me. If my neighbor is now undead, does that matter to me? You know what I mean? It's all situational. And I'm not going to judge anybody for having an opinion about a fictional world for peace sake. Like, yeah. Make up your own damn mind. I'm just going to give you all the questions. I'm going to point a giant spotlight on the human race and show how ugly we can be because that's a thing. And then go from there. That's awesome. Now, another aspect of this, uh, of this campaign that I, that you were bringing up in, at least in the video was, uh, was riddles. Now I know, especially with something like a riddle, we don't want to be giving things away, but what can you tell us about, about the riddle component to this? Okay. So, It'll either be in the comic or on the back cover. Um, episode one, it's on the back cover. If you go to the Kickstarter, you scroll down where that short film is. There's a picture of the back cover, what it's going to be. And there's a riddle built into that. It will take you to some place in the real world. This one's kind of easy. I made it easy so that everybody can kind of get there. And then um, episode two, I'm going to start making them hard. So it's going to be like Morse code or ciphers, or I might hide a QR code somewhere um, it could lead you to a website, a YouTube channel. Um, you might get something in the mail from us. It could lead you to a phone number. There's just so many different ideas that I have that there's going to be additional content for these people that are able to solve the riddles. So again, it's just like another way to immerse yourself in the world if you want to do it. I've had people tell me like, I'm lazy. I just want the comic. Dude, that's fine. That's where no. all the meat and potatoes are. I did have a question when I was when I was thinking about the riddles where like, I myself, I love a good riddle. However, 
I'm not always the best at them. What is there any any uh, any option or plan for people who enjoy riddles and want to interact, but are like in my notes? I just put, "What about the dum dums like me?" <laughs> you know, it's like if I just can't figure out the riddle, but I'm really really trying. Is there any any sort of option or anywhere they might be able to go for for a hint or a or a giveaway to just join? And they're like, "I tried so hard, but I can't uh, I can't make it happen." Well, um, I'm not opposed to giving out hints if there's uh, feedback. Now, of course, I'm going to be really involved in these because these are all my brainchild, right? So if I, you know, people are telling me like, Lori, I can't do it or Lori, we can't find it. Obviously, I need to give a hint. Um, But that's why I made the first one easy to kind of like bring people into the fold. And then from there, it's like I'll be monitoring to see, you know, but... Um, there'll still be additional content outside of that stuff that I'm going to be producing. Cause like we're on TikTok, I'm on YouTube. So there's going to be other stuff out there, but I want, I do want to make it special that, you know, if you can solve the riddles, you get the mm-hmm. special content. So there is this video I have in my Facebook group. There's, um, a deck of cards that Neil Patrick Harris produced and like in the deck of cards, there's a cipher, which takes you to his website. And if you solve a riddle on the front page, it takes you to another web page. And it's like you have to know all these things about Neil Patrick Harris, like his um, theory was born along with his hometown. And then, like, I, I don't know, all this obscure information about him in order to get to the end. And when you get to the end, all it says, congratulations, you figured it out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I did all that work for that. It's like, thank you. But our princess is in another castle. You're like, Arr! right, pretty much. And I was like, damn it. So, I mean, I want there to be that level, you know, where you can participate. It's part of the journey, you know, part of the, the, the pride of, of solving the riddle and, you know, and then going along with the, the, the group that wants to do it and having bragging rights, like first, second and third might get something from me when you solve the riddle. It might be something bonus. It, it's just it's something that I plan on doing a lot, a lot of fun things with. I'm looking forward to it. You have like a Facebook group for this, right? Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, like I know on Discord, you can give people like badges and stuff like, you know, as yes. and like different roles is like, you know, these are the smart people that were able to figure this out. Like, I don't know if you can do that on Facebook. Right. But that'd be right. Cool. We, we, we can like, create our own badge. Yeah. Just, <laughs> you can show off that you're, you're the elite. Oh, you'll be able to solve it. <laughs> don't, don't do that, John. Trust me. It's like, you'll be in there. You know, it's funny, the comic isn't even out yet, but because the page is on there, you can still solve the riddle. I had someone solve the riddle already. Uh, did, did you have the content ready? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah well, I've had good. that up. Yeah. I've had that up. Um, <laughs> but I was just like, oh, hello, you're here. <laughs> Surprise. I won't, I won't be looking for any confirmation or something, because one thing I've talked about in the past with, with Ben on, on our show is, you know, like I... Even if I can't solve a riddle, because I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not actually that terrible, but like I can always pick out points that are important, but I have a hard time putting them together. So I'm, I'm not I'm not going to look for any confirmation. In fact, I'll, I'll I'll block you out of my vision. But that that glass seemed awfully significant. It, it showed that uh, it showed <laughs> it showed a certain location on there uh, <laughs> yes, a few times. Yeah, I wonder has some significance, maybe. Probably. <laughs> but what? Dun, dun, dun. Everything, yeah. everything, everything. The image on our cover, so the, the angel and then the skeleton with the wings, the night versus the day with the gold line through it, has such a significant meaning I can't even tell you about it. Um, but when you get there in the comic book, you're going to be like, this is it. This is what she's been telling me this whole time. And it will make it, all the pieces will fall into place for you. I love stuff like that. Like I love, you know, we, we, we strive to do that ourselves too. Just like planting seeds that, that, that on a repeat viewing or reading will pay off. You know, like I, I love that so much in, in movies and other media, you know, like I, I love the replay value. Yes. I love that too. I, I strive for that in my writing all the time. Uh, in fact, um, okay. So this is episode one. There's 13 episodes in the first arc. They're all written. They're ready to go. I am writing Damn. arc number two. I'm, I'm writing arc number two. I'm five episodes uh, in that are written. Um, probably got about eight more. 
um, before I close out that one. But it's like, I, I always write, like, I know the beginning and I know the end of the season. And then I fill in the blanks of how the characters get there. Yeah. Right. Um, so you're going to see things in season one that don't pay off until you read season two. Wonderful. As it should. No, that's good. Cause that's how I roll. So that's the kind of stuff I love. Like I know that guy seen him before. Where have I seen him? Go back, go back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I like the good payoff. I like the good fight scene too. I've written quite a few of those too. So that'll be fun. If you like martial arts and you like, like good fights and, um, I got that. I got like a uh, million ways to die in the West kind of field as well. It's like we kill people in some gnarly ways. That was one of the questions I, I thought about asking you earlier was coming from, you know, a, uh, like as a stunt person in the film based action scene mindset, how have you found that translating into, into the comic essentially where, where you don't have quite as much, you know, visual, it, well, it's not quite as visceral, you know, you kind of, it's, it's in panels. It's in like snapshots of the action scene as opposed to, you know, fluid movement. Um, the way I think it benefits us is that I can actually um, film myself with some of my students acting out the fight uh. and providing that to my artist as a reference. Nice. So he might not know what a backhand speed punch is or what a parry and then, you know, a uh, hack you know, hack thrust parry, you know, know, whatever combination I throw in there, he's not going to know what that means specifically without the history that I have, but I can show him, okay, we do this and then we do this and I'm going to stab him in the face. So that's, you know what I mean? Well, he'll be able to pick out the points that are important, you know, and and to be able to draw the fight, how the readers can see it. That's pretty fucking rad. Like like what a uh, great tool for authenticity. I can only imagine how somebody who knows how to fight or choreograph a fight would get frustrated with comic books that have people in a fight. And you're like, no, it wouldn't lead. It wouldn't logically lead from this place to that place. Like I really appreciate it when I'm reading a comic and, and I see somebody like, in, in, yeah, yeah, I mean, no kidding. I'd be like, Hey, are you a comic book artist? Do you need to draw some fights or you need someone to choreograph a fight for you? Yeah. I, I need this kind of fight with, with these kind of characters. You're like, all right, I'll put one together for you real quick. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, what what do your characters look like? How tall are they? How many people are in the fight? What style do they do? When I was in Michigan, that would have been better because I had a whole like network. It's like, do you want jujitsu? We have someone for that. Do you want Kung Fu? We have someone for that. Do you want Savat? Do you want Balintawak? Do you want, I mean, like you can, do you want a boxer? You want a kickboxer? It's like, there's all these different, you know, martial arts. And I've been around for so long. I was so well connected. Here in, in Texas, a lot of the martial arts are like um, either jujitsu or MMA. And there's a Lots lot of, of MMA, high, but that's about it. I was like, where's all my people? Because because I don't imagine a lot of comic books have a fight choreographer. Probably not. I don't think I've encountered that. That's a cool idea and a uh, definitely a, a bonus there. Because having having that photo reference or you know video reference of someone fighting and and you get to beat people up still, so that's fun. Oh, I love choreographing fights. I do. It's so much fun. And it's like, and I can take a hit. So it's like, go ahead and punch me. I'll fall down. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll have to get you to critique a fight scene I'm currently drawing in, uh, in Space Oddities number two. Oops, sorry. Or, or, I'll have to get you to critique a fight scene I'm currently drawing in our comic book. Sorry, I didn't want to just plug our book. You can. I'm cool with that. I'm, I'm more, you know, let's let's support each other. Like, I want to see what you're working on because it's going to elevate what I'm doing. I might be able to learn from you, you know. So absolutely. If you want me to look at a fight scene or maybe I can just even ask questions like, what are you trying to convey? You know, like what style are they doing or, you know, how deadly are they? Do they know what they're doing or do they not know what they do? Because, you know, you could have skilled fighters and you could have unskilled fighters. Yeah. So it's like yeah. You would have to draw them differently depending on what their skill level is. So it's like in, in my comic, we have a, a saloon brawl um, in one of the, you know, upcoming episodes. So it's like you have a bunch of unskilled Perfect. people just whooping on each other. It's the old West, right? We have to have a saloon brawl. Um, yeah. But then I have other characters that are very technical fighters. So they're going to fight a lot differently and maybe fight multiple opponents with weapons as opposed to a saloon brawl. So you're going to get a different feel depending on yeah. what the fight's trying to convey. And of course, it's always story driven. It's always story driven. <laughs> You gotta have a reason for that fight. Gotta I mean, go somewhere. yeah, it's like I have a lot of gore too, but that's all story driven too. I promise it'll make <laughs> sense. 
I just don't throw like eyeballs at you or a little bit of gratuitous Not violence no is reason. okay. Not but uh, you know, it, it, that can't be with the only thing it's built on. <laughs> <laughs> right. It has to make sense within the story. <laughs> so moving over to the over to the Kickstarter campaign, why don't you uh, tell us about some of your reward tiers that you have here? What can people get? Yeah, all the merch. Get all the merch. Mm-hmm. Um so at a five dollar level we have our PDF level. Um, which is pretty standard. $5, you can get a copy, you know, emailed to you so you can read along with the story. And we thank you for your contribution. Um, $10, we send you the PDF copy and a keychain. So if you want that something physical, but don't want to spend for the actual physical comic, you can at least get, you know, some type of merchandise to have and to put in your hand. Um, $15 starts the physical level. Um, and I have, I have five different levels of those for a couple of reasons. So we have a $15 early bird special. Um, and that one has Marco's cover on the limit, uh, excuse me, on the, on the um, comic, but we're running a limited edition sticker. I have 50 available. And once they're gone, they're gone. We're going to run a different sticker with episode two. There's still a few left. That's a pretty popular backing level right now. So if you're interested in that sticker, hop in there and grab that before they're gone. But once those are gone, then we have the the four different covers to choose from at $15. So you have Marco's cover, which has the shattered glass and the reflection. Oh my God, that's such a beautiful cover. I don't understand. He's like, I've never, I've never done glass before. You can't tell it. I think that's my favorite one of the three. I know. I was like, that's, Amazing. You've never done glass. Not only did you tackle glass, but you tackled a different reflection in every shard of glass. Amazing. And to me, it really represents episode one. It's like how the most minuscule decision that you make can have these dire consequences. It's like dude picks up this glass, it causes the bear to wake up, and there's going to be big old consequences to that. Um, And then, of course, we have our three variant covers done by some very talented artists. We have uh, the Big James cover by Jose Martinez. We have uh, the Jude St. Clair. Like, it looks, it's just good, the bad, and the ugly to me, you know, with the smoking gun and the sunset. I like that one, too. And that's by Everett Watkins. Um, He's also a comic book creator. He's working on a series called Boob the Outcast, which is a young adult series. Phenomenal. (laughs) Um, And then uh, David Rodriguez, his cover with the zombies and the broken disc, amazing. Like, if you love zombies and horror, this is a beautiful cover. I was I was so amazed when he dropped it. I was like, thank you. It's just beautiful. Now that you explained the discs, I see what's going on in that one now. I get it. Yeah. So the broken <laughs> disc. And it's like, it's funny to me because it's like, if you don't know the story, you think this is a regular zombie trope. And I was like, really, what's happening in this is they're telling this person that they dropped their disc. Like, hey, wait, you dropped your disc. Like, they're not trying to eat them. They're singing them happy birthday. You know, it's like. It's just, a, you know, you don't know it's actually what they're actually saying because they're not coming to eat your brain. Do they celebrate death days now? It's like, happy death day. It's been two years since you died. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious because it's like, they could. It's like, you know, they don't um, necessarily think life is important anymore. Yeah. I wouldn't either. Right? If you were undead. Like, I can ride my motorcycle as fast as I want now. Who cares? I'm Absolutely, but if you smash your brain, you're uh, you're uh, you're in trouble. It's like one of those things. Like in a regular zombie trope, you could shoot someone in the brain and then they're dead. But in this world, it's like you could shoot someone in the brain and then they just get more predictable because they have access to less of their brain. You're just an asshole now because you trapped them in their own head. Maybe what a joke. <laughs> right, it could be worse. Um, at twenty five dollars. Um, we have the PDF copy, the physical copy with Marco's cover. And then I include a riot patch. This is another limited edition or a limited backer level. I only have 50 patches left. And, uh, so in the riot scene in the short film, when you watch it, the rioters are wearing these patches. They have a a disc with like a, a no sign through it. And it says dead, dead outside, still human inside. So it's kind of like what they're chanting at the riots. Like you forget that we're still human in here, you know? Um, so I have some of those patches still available. Um, some of them were used in the shoot, so that's a pretty good level. $35, I have the famous Nat special. Nat's a friend of mine um, who is a comic book collector, just like we are. And so, of course, the question was, hey, Lori, when you do your comic, can I get a signed edition to put on the shelf and then one that I can read? And that's what this is. So it's a signed physical edition by myself. And then one that you can take out of the plastic and then smell it and then read it and all that good stuff. 
that's a good call there because I I, I know of a couple people who uh, who backed our things and they like when I see them they're like still in the plastic haven't even taken it out I'm like well wait a minute like I, I want you to read it well I mean if you're giving them a PDF copy they could read that too but I mean there's just that something about you know the tactile it, uh, yeah. if you if you're a comic book geek like we are. It's like, I want to open it. I want to see the glossy page. I want to feel it. I want to hear the sound that the page makes when I turn it. It's just something mm-hmm. so appealing to that. So it's like, that's why I've created these levels is because I am one of us. You know what I mean? Like, I am one of these yeah. people that enjoys comics to the same level that you do. And I'm thinking of you. If I get a comic from the 80s or earlier, I love the smell of it. And that's why I say that. I'm like, you got to smell it. It's just mm-hmm. and the ink that they used was different. It just has that nostalgic, you know. Yeah, that newsprint paper. Yeah, the newsprint paper, which is now more expensive than printing on the regular paper. Uh-huh. Absurd. Okay, so at forty dollars, it's basically the same thing as the thirty-five dollar Nat special, but you get now both signatures. So both my signature and Marco's signature, which is of course what you really want. Um, $50, I start throwing in some more merch. So you get, um, the signed copy, uh, signed by me and Marco, a second physical copy to read. And then you get like a keychain, and then I start throwing in t-shirts for people that don't know about custom t-shirts. They're expensive. They're not cheap. It's not like you can go to Walmart and get a shirt for $3. They start at like 20 bucks <laughs> for, for a custom made t-shirt. So um, that's why you unfortunately got to go to $50, but there's a way around that, which I'll get to in a second. Um, at $75, I got the popular level of variant volumes of doom. You get the signed copy from me and Marco, and then you get additional copy to read. And then you get the three other variants as well. Um, along with the keychain and the shirt. So it's like, that's, that's what I would choose. Well, I would actually choose the next one, but I mean, <laughs> I want all four of the covers. Right. I want all the all the different versions because that's how we are. The hundred dollar level, you get all the same things. I also throw in the armband patch. Um, if I need to order more, I can, but um, I prefer not to. Marco will also draw you into the comic at hundred dollars. So your likeness will be in a future episode. We're going to try and get you into the next episode if possible, because this is, you know, a popular request among kickstarters with comics right but you don't want to wait to episode 12 to see your face you want to see an episode two right that's how i feel yeah do you guys have a limit on that one because one one thing we we learned in our first kickstarter is that you know we we had it at that same price point too it just disappeared and i was like wow and then at the end of it i was like wow i'm, I'm glad we kept it at a, a you know whatever we had it at like five or six or something because yeah, well, I was also retroactively fitting everybody into the book we already had done. So that that was that was a bit tough. Yeah, plan, planning ahead for it would be very nice. I think once we pick up more speed and get more readers behind us, we'll start limiting that. But being that this is an episode one, I just want to hit our goal. If we blow it out of the water yep. and we have, you know, 400 people that pick this backer level, we'll deal with that problem <laughs> as that approaches. But I don't think that's going to be the case with their episode one because I'm a realist, right? On the bright side, it's a zombie book. So like you can always have a zombie horde with like 50 people in it. But here's the cool thing about having a zombie book where we can draw you in. And with my type of dark humor, we're probably going to kill you yeah. pretty quickly. So you get to see yourself and then you'll see yourself get taken out by like a swarm of bugs or I don't know anything like we, we kill people in some pretty gnarly ways. So, but the bonus to that is, is now you get to see yourself maybe as a zombie in future episodes. We could always bring you back. As long as you pay up. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We like to have fun. Um, We have a hundred dollar wholesale purchase level. So if anybody out there that's listening is uh, working in a comic book shop and you're looking to put path of the pale rider on your shelves, I will ship you 10 physical copies for at a hundred bucks. That's $10 a pop. That's cheaper than buying the, you know, just the single issue. And then um, so that that's only to the continental U S. So I did have one level called singularity. That was $500 that someone actually took. Um, There was only one of these. It has all the merch, and then I'm going to order a custom-made Funko Pop of Jude, and there was only one, and it's gone. 
Damn, that's rad. That's a good idea. I wish I would have thought of that. For maybe for number three. Well, oh, I plan. I mean, like since it went so fast, I will probably do similar or you know maybe more on the next Kickstarter. Maybe with different. I could always do two different singularities where everybody gets something themselves. You know what I mean? Like no, it's still unique. It still is a singularity. It's a singularity. It, there's two 500 backing levels, but they each get something different. You know what I mean? So that way you're the only one that has this. Um, and it's so cool. So I got a lot of different ideas out there for the next episode as well. But that's that's our current levels. Uh, we got stretch goals to get to more merch like magnets and posters. And of course, the big one, which is to get us to oh. color. We need to get to 7,500. Which, like I said, if we get there, great. Um, if we don't, we can always come back and do episode one in color at a future time. Um, I didn't want to have to try and write 7,500 for our first episode and fail miserably. And yeah. then nobody sees Path of the Pale Rider episode two. Yeah. Um, yep. Let alone episode eight it. or 13. You know, mm-hmm. I answer all the questions that you have in this story. If you have questions about how we're ugly, I'll show it to you. If you have questions how animals react, I show it to you. You know, questions about how families deal with the loss of a single member of their family, I'll show it to you. How do how do you know how do hospitals handle it? I'll show it to you. What's the state of the comic book industry in this post-apocalyptic world? <laughs> Hell, I didn't include that. I think it's <laughs> people are still worried about what they're gonna eat. Yeah. <laughs> I've got my priorities. I was going to say, maybe you draw a character in there that's a comic book creator in the world. That would be interesting. What would he draw? Hmm. <laughs> I've got some crazy characters. Um, I, yeah, we do some really, really nutso stuff. Um, every episode gets a little crazier. It's like one, two. And then I think episode three, we start an extended flashback where you get to see Jude at the beginning of the apocalypse. So you'll get to experience the fall, the, the oh, cool. riots, the famine, all of that good stuff. And then we're right back into 10 years past the apocalypse. And I throw more stuff at Jude until he, until he breaks. Um, yeah. <laughs> Proper main character. Yeah. And then when we get to episode eight, it'll blow your mind. We'll blow your mind. What are you guys thinking for as far as like, um, uh, like the, your desired release schedule? from uh episode from issue to issue you know it's like the more we do it the faster we'll get obviously you know um the more we work together we'll streamline our process we would love to turn out multiple episodes a year if we can do four a year if we can get better and do five a year great if we can build our readership by um having a publisher involved even better you know it's like we will do what it takes to get the story out there marco is like I said, very professional, but he's also very fast. He turned around, I think, four pages in two weeks. Nice. When he's when he's free and focused, it'll get done. It's up to you, listener. You back the Kickstarter, and the more funding you have, the faster you can go, to a degree. Absolutely. But, you know, it allows you to devote time to it. As soon as we, we pass our level, he could get, really get back to work. I just want to make sure that he's not working for free. Nobody should have to do that. Not unless it's their own, own choice. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yes. That's true. Yeah, and, and when it's your own book, when it's your baby, it's an investment. You know, like, like I, 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 want, the, I want this thing to exist. So, so it's like I'm, I'm going to put my time into creating my thing. Absolutely. Hopefully the money comes one day, but it doesn't have to. Right, that's not the purpose. I'm not doing this yeah. to get rich. I'm doing this because... I like my story. I love comics. I enjoy riddles and Easter eggs. And you know what I mean? Like my comic is chock full of references to other comics and Marvel and DC and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and all sorts of stuff in there, all sorts of stuff. So it's like if you are a fan of sci-fi and Westerns and, you know, all the tropes that are shoved into this script, you will get all the extras that are built in. So it's fun for the reader. Um, it's fun to be invested. It's fun to, to do all the extra stuff. That's the kind of thing that I want to do. So that's what I'm putting out into the world. And heck, if we get money for it, great. Bonus. That's super cool. I really dig how, how immersive this is. How, you know, it's, it's so much more than just a book. Yeah, it is. 
And then eventually, if we can get it on Netflix, that would be even better. <laughs> Hell yeah. I mean, it's a cool concept. There's, there's definitely, I think it has legs. Hopefully, uh, some of those Netflix execs will think the same. Yeah, maybe someday. If they can look past uh, what it will do for them. <laughs> you know that was actually my big fear um after i wrote the script and people were like take it to netflix i was like i'm a first-time writer for this kind of content they're gonna write me a check for like five grand and then take my idea and bring in on a big hollywood writer rewrite the script rewrite my characters and it's gonna end up being you know like you're gonna hate it mass yeah, I'm going to get pissed. Like, I'm going to lose control of my characters. Are people going to think it's crap? You know what I mean? It's going to reflect poorly on me because of what they turn it into. So I was like, I can't, I'm not ready to release control of my characters. I want people to love my characters and, and to really, um, you know, if someone were to change them to be upset, you know, I want to build that clout so that way, if and when Netflix takes a look at it, they'll be like, okay, this is how we have to present Jude. Or this is how we have to present this female character that she's written because people are so attached to her. And if we change her into this floozy, people are going to be mad. Yeah. Who knows? We'll see. Knock on wood. We'll get there someday. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, baby steps, episode one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, did we do it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm watching. I got the Kickstarter up. I think you've had like three backers just since we started recording this. So that's. Uh, Ooh, thanks, it, people. The number keeps ticking up, man. I was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to get in on this. I'm, I'm, I'm into it. I like this world you're creating, and um, I, th I think this is, this is cool. This is something um, a bit more special. I want to try my hand at some riddles. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can go look at that first one. It's there. Yeah, do it live figure on air, John. Tonight. Let's see if you can figure no. it out. No. <laughs> and you know what? If you um, if you look at some of my other social media, I have talked about what this riddle specifically is. Okay. If you get stuck, go searching in my social media and look for when I talk about riddles because it's there. Alrighty. You can do it. <laughs> someone's already solved it so it's possible it's not one of those where i'm like no one's gonna solve this one <laughs> so how about you give everyone uh one last uh elevator pitch and uh shout out your socials and where people can find you yeah absolutely so again path of the pale rider if you like sci-fi horror western um zombie tropes this is for you it's like uh mad max meets i am legend with some uh, in a in a spaghetti western we're live on kickstarter right now so you can absolutely hop on and back us and uh, i just want to remind you guys that we have those short films and the riddles those are included in every single episode there is no stretch goal for those those are automatic we're on just about every kind of social media you can think of like the the big one is the facebook group so if you're on Facebook, just search groups and we're Path of the Pale Rider. Uh, we just broke 300 members. So we're there. We have a Facebook page, which I kind of put content on because it dumps into like some advertising sites. So that gets some information. But if you could choose between the two, I recommend the Facebook group because that's where we have the fun. We like post pictures. If you Google your name plus a uh, uh, apocalypse and it shows you an image of someone wearing a crazy outfit, stuff like that. We talk about the books. Um, I run raffles. I might give sneak peeks on, on, you know, pages that Marco's working on in that group. Um, we're on Instagram. We're at path underscore of underscore the underscore <laughs> fail underscore writer. So it's <laughs> at path of the pale writer with an underscore between all of the words. Um, it's the same handle for the TikTok. We're also on Twitter. We're at, at path pale writer and of course we have a web page it's www.pathofthepalewriter.com um if you go to the website it can point you into all the other socials um if you didn't have a pencil um i also have all the art there i have updates i have a blog that nobody reads it's fabulous um i also <laughs> have like a schedule for all the interviews that i've done and i uh, i'm also going to post links to all the interviews that have happened so, you, you know, if you missed one and you want to catch it, you can go back to the web page and you can find it there. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll post, I'll post links to all that stuff in the show notes for anyone listening, as well as a link to the Kickstarter, of course. Thank you. 
All right. Well, thanks for coming on today, Lori. Come back us. Woo. <laughs> Please do listeners. And, um, uh, once you've done that, you can, uh, think about, uh, shooting us a line. If you have anything to say to us at, uh, email at geeksplorationpodcast.com. You can find us on the social medias, geeksploration podcast, uh, uh, that's our Instagram. My brain's not working. Hey, but uh, yeah, <laughs> Geek Exploration the podcast page. Um, Twitter at Geek Explore Pod. Um, you can call us at nine one six Ork Turd. That's nine one six O R C T U R D. Talk about anything. We'll put you on the show. And if you enjoy the show, uh, please drop us a review at uh, Apple Podcasts or Pod Chaser. Uh, we've got merch at shop.geeksplorationpodcast.com and uh, we're part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.